Welcome to the Faith Element Podcast for the October 1, 2023 session, focusing on Matthew chapter 21, verses 23 through 32. Incarnate Authority. I'm David Cassidy. I'm Nikki Hardiman. I'm Daniel Glaze. And I'm Crystal Shepherd. I'm very dense, and other people can catch things, get things, get the joke, get the punchline. <laughs> and I'm still <laughs> scratching my head and somebody has to explain it to me. Other times I can be in that other position where I'm getting it and someone else isn't. So I wonder if you have something that seems obvious to you, but to others, they're skeptical. They don't get it. Wonder about it. Any Anything like that for you? Ghosts. Ghosts. <laughs> Ghosts. I know that's probably going to fly against what some people think, but I've had like too many weird experiences like when I was younger. And then when our German shepherd died a couple of years ago, our whole family experienced like weird stuff happening in the house. When she died, our ring camera picked up a breeze through the trees. She had gone out the front door, like Neil had packed her out and there was a breeze through the front trees the exact minute that she died at the vet's office. And then when we got home that day, she had a collar that would jingle against the metal water bowl. And our other dog and the kids and I were sitting down in the living room. And all of a sudden we heard that jingle, like like all of us, including the dog perked up because we heard the jingle against the water bowl. And then there were just like weird things that happened kind of made us feel like she was still with us. And then it carried over to our new house. Mm. And we have her ashes. So I don't know. It seems obvious to me, but I think a lot of people would be like, eh, whatever, you're imagining it. But with (laughs) four people and a dog hearing that, (laughs) I just think that's probably pretty indisputable evidence. Yeah. Wow. That's what I would say, at least. (laughs) And I say, if it's real to you, then it's real. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) That was very judicious, Daniel. I mean, what do I know? You know, there's mystery in the world. Um, There are plenty of things we cannot explain. This is interesting. My my family makes fun of me for this, but I am horrible at math, but I can, I don't even know what it's called. I can give the cashier the correct amount of change to get a round number of change back. If something is, I don't know, a dollar 32, I can give them 207 and I know I'll get a quarter back. I, somehow that that system works in my head. I can do it all the time, but I don't know what 14 plus 14 is. I'll tell you at the end of the podcast, but I don't know right now. So. <laughs> okay, I really am the one who is usually, huh, what? I don't get it. Like That really is me most of the time. But I... You know how I hate these questions. I think aliens are real. And Uh the whole world is coming to that now because Mm -hmm. it's been in the news so much. But I don't know how you could think about how big the universe is and how much of it we literally cannot see and think we're the only ones here. Mm. I just I don't know how you I don't know how anybody can come to that conclusion. So I am convinced we will find aliens. I don't know if it'll happen while I'm alive, but I hope we do. I hope we make friends on other planets. I think that'd be <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I, oh, I also assume that aliens are friendly. Okay. That is my assumption. 
That's a yeah. good assumption. Also, okay, last thing I promise. <laughs> what if the reason we haven't seen aliens is because in the – this isn't my original thought. <laughs> I will own that. But in the gap, the universe, we are considered to be – an endangered species and so all the other aliens are not allowed to come to our planet and bother us because they have to leave us alone like we have groups of people on the earth that nobody goes to because we want them to be like what if we're endangered species and none of the other aliens are allowed to come see us oh we're an endangered species yes yes (laughs) (laughs) that <laughs> By our own doing. By our yes. own doing. And By do our you, own doing. And do you think there are other beings out there who are wondering whether are are we somebody else's aliens? Oh, they wonder oh, I, is there somebody else out there? Oh, I hope so. I hope they want to find us as much as I want to find them. I assume other people want to, but I'm only speaking for myself. <laughs> I just think they're friendly. Be- so cool <laughs> i think sounds, it will be so cool i think this sounds I, I don't know this sounds like a little bit of a dangerous game but why not roll the dice and figure it out yeah. so okay. let's just split this atom what could happen, <laughs> what could happen? <laughs> seems well, innocuous y'all's are a lot more fun than mine mm-hmm. so i <laughs> regina and i work a lot more now than we did years ago to try to be good to the planet and I think part of that is because we we want things to be around for our kids and their kids. And and actually, the Earth's a pretty cool place. It's a fun place. Cool, maybe not so much anymore. <laughs> As for me, it is just so obvious that the planet is warming and that we're playing a role in that. And yet there's this, all this denial out there about it. And it makes me scratch my head because I'm like, Really? Our listeners may each have their own area where they think something's obvious and none of us are getting it. So maybe they'll help us out and put the light bulb on. Yeah. (laughs) Perhaps in this passage, there was some of that enlightenment that was being attempted as well. Crystal, would you give us a start on this one? Sure. Authority. Who has it and who lives it? That is the central issue of today's scripture. And I dare say in our world today. Authority is questioned at every turn. Do we trust elected officials? Are they worthy of their authority that they have been granted? Do they live out with integrity what has been given to them? We see this in church circles as well, and we hear of abuse of power from clergy. Does the pastor have the ultimate power? I guess it depends on if you're Baptist or not. But who has authority? And by whom do they have that authority? This perhaps an age-old question, or at least definitely as old as the Gospel of Matthew, where we find the chief priests and elders questioning Jesus' authority and having their own questioned as well. Jesus entered the temple, and the chief priests and elders began to question, by what authority are you doing these things, and who gave you this authority? The chief priest and the elders were the recognized authority in Judaism. The high priest was also the president of the Sanhedrin, which was the high court of the Jews. The elders would have been lay people, scribes, and Pharisees who were also represented in this body. They would have felt it right to ask Jesus about his authority and who had given it. He had interpreted their sacred law. He had used their oral tradition, and he had cleansed the temple. He had upturned their authority in even more than John had. 
And when they challenge him, Jesus offers another challenge in return. He questions them on John, and in doing so, he questions their sincerity and exposes their hypocrisy. Jesus uncovers that they believe that they respect authority, but that true respect for authority comes from obedience and not lip service. He beautifully illustrates this point by sharing the parable of the obedient and disobedient sons. The story portrays a father who asked his sons to do work for him. One son originally says no, but then later goes and does the work. One son says yes, but then does nothing. Jesus posits, who does the will of the father? The elders and chief priests reply that it's the first son, the obedient one. It is the one who lived out his obedience rather than gave lip service to it. In this, he catches the leaders and points out that even tax collectors and prostitutes see this and follow the way of righteousness, but the leaders with their perceived authority do not. So while the leaders may have been right to question Jesus's authority, they would have also been good if they had been mindful of their own. Authority is tested and it is earned. The leaders had not earned the authority and Jesus was testing it. Perhaps he will, we as the church could learn something from this passage. From whom do we get our authority? What do we consider to be authoritative when it comes to faith? If our authority is derived in our obedience to God, then are we displaying an incarnate authority, one that is lived rather than just put on for show? Does our authority serve to free people or to chain them? Now, I'm going to give a little bit away about myself. I was a big Game of Thrones fan, and before they ruined it in the final season, ruined it, there was a character who typified living out her authority with integrity. Daenerys Targaryen was a princess until her mad king father was overthrown and her family flees the capital. She is born under a stormy night and her mother dies bringing her into the world. Daenerys feels a right to the throne and this is enforced through the series. As she rises in power though, she has a saying when she's introduced. Daenerys Stormborn of the House Targaryen, first of her name, the Unburnt, Queen of the Andals and the First Men, Khaleesi of the Great Grass Sea, Breaker of Chains and Mother of Dragons. She embodies her authority and lives up to her name as the Breaker of Chains by releasing captives who in turn follow her out of allegiance. That is until poor writing ruined her in the final season, but I digress. Up until that point, she lived her authority. And as the church, we are called to share the good news of the freedom of the gospel and to allow the captives to be set free. We have that authority, and we should use it judiciously. With great power comes great responsibility. We do not corner the market on what is truth or how to live out the faith. Caroline Lewis says it beautifully in her article, True Authority. She says, far too long, we have insisted that theological and doctrinal claims about God should usurp experiences of God, that only those in the know can really know God. And as a result, we have protected our authority as theologians, perpetuating the facade that we have all the answers. She goes on to say, true authority demands a perceived and palpable connection between who you are and what you do between what you say and what you do. Authority never goes over well when it is supposed. 
This is in part what Jesus is saying. There is a correlation between word and deed, between ideas and implementation, between vision and action. I believe this applies to the church as well. As a people who follow Jesus, Lewis says, when it comes to the church, ideas, creeds, doctrines, even scripture are not our authority. The true test of authority is whether or not we believe in and make possible Emmanuel, God with us in the world. And I say, may we live in such a way that we embody such authority. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation because I think there are about a thousand things we can talk about, but I'll start with something not really germane to the parable, but just this idea of authority. It's not bad in and of itself, but the way I think we often experience it, unfortunately, often in the church, we, we it certainly has different connotations. And I wonder if that's because too many of us have confused trying to be authoritative and being authoritarian. Hmm. Too many of us have chosen the latter. That is, I'm the one with the authority, follow me or hit the road, versus because of the authority that Christ has given to all of us, we all have something to say, and we all are worth listening to. We all, and here's the Baptist in me coming out, we all have access, I think, to, to Christ leading in our own life, and it doesn't have to be mediated through any person with clergy credentials. That idea of authority is, it's a delicate balance because I think it's certainly something I think a term that we need to recover and live into, but too often we see the abuse of that in its authoritarian forms. And if we went around this podcast table, so to speak, and gave testimony, we all could name names, but. Yeah, this is an interesting conversation because <laughs> I think we all have feelings about and opinions about authority. We know it when we see it and smell it or feel it applied to us, or when we apply it in our own lives for whatever end. An example that comes to my mind in terms of this kind of earned authority, this kind of authority that comes because one embodies a certain thing, a certain quality, a certain way of living and being. And it's a serious thing, but it has to do with smoking meats. So there is <laughs> there it is. <laughs> there is a guy who I got to know, I don't know him, but who I, I pay attention to on YouTube. His name is John Sessler. And the man knows how to smoke meats. Or other kinds, veggies, all kinds of things. And his YouTube videos are delivered with authority. He talks like he knows what he's doing. And so I also am on a, a Facebook group that, you know, for folks like me who have this smoked meats addiction, and he's on there. And so when he speaks up, everybody listens and, oh, oh I guess that's the way it is. Anyway, that's a silly example. But it, to me, it matters because he has earned that over many years by not only demonstrating to us this, these techniques that work, but when we do them, they work for us too. I think there's a lot to what you were describing, Crystal, that I'm not being totally serious about, but that this embodiment, this, that our sense of authority best comes from an intrinsic 
nature rather than something external to us that supports us. Now I'm hungry. (laughs) (laughs) And I also think it's important that we, like I said, we use it judiciously, that we are not using that authority to impose upon, but to free people to find themselves and to find what God is saying to them rather than say, this is exactly what has to be, be being said to you. I am not someone else's God. So how can I sit in there and say, even though I have some level of authority that's invested or given to me because I'm an ordained minister or whatever, it doesn't mean that I corner the market on knowing everything there is to know. Okay. So I'm going to talk about this now and I'm going to say what I'm not really supposed to say. I don't like the word authority and it's a hang up for me in this conversation. I'll own that's my stuff. That's not anything else. It's my stuff. I don't like the word. And I think it's just because of the way that it gets thrown around, the way people claim authority when they have none to claim. And and I think that the way that we use that word in our society today doesn't feel like it's getting at what we're talking about. I wish we had another word. I hear what you're talking about. And I have a concept of what it is to watch somebody who has authority on some kind of topic. I work in academia. All the faculty have their authority on something. And I think that sometimes that I've seen that authority cause people to not be able to see what else is outside of what they know. But I do think it's an interesting conversation with Jesus and the religious officials of that are trying to challenge him because they are they want the authority for themselves and I think that what we see them um trying to trick him it tells us more about them than it does about him. Mm-hmm. And I think that their insecurities are glaring off the page because he does come with this kind of intrinsic authority that has been developed over his 30 years on earth and what he has experienced while he's been on earth and what he feels called to be. They are insecure here and they're trying to pull down the one who has done the work to obtain this authority. Daniel, do you want to say something? I think that's what I was getting at with the incarnate authority is that it's embodying that authority, but it's almost like earning it too. You can't just like, you, you don't just walk into it and be like, I'm authoritative on this. It's if one of the definitions of authority is like mastery. So Mm. if you are, striving to master a subject, to learn as much as you can about a subject, Mm -hmm. then you become authority on that. Like I've studied trauma. So some people look to me as an authority on trauma. I don't know that I would take that title on because that's a lot, but I do know a lot about trauma. And so 
I worked at that. It didn't just, I didn't walk out of getting my license and say, I know all there is to know about trauma. Therefore I'm an authority on trauma, if that makes sense. So I think if you look like, what's his name? The famous astronomer, Neil deGrasse Tyson or something. So he knows a lot. I would consider him to be probably pretty authoritative on a lot of stuff about planets and stuff that I don't know anything about. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. In this passage, Authority isn't about what you know mm-hmm. to the people who are asking. It's about power. And I think that's the hang up for me. Jesus isn't up there claiming power, though I would say Jesus probably has that. But the people who are questioning Jesus, they're not concerned with anything authoritative. They're concerned with the power that they have and can have when others see them as authoritative. I don't want to. I don't want to create another circular argument <laughs> it's here. It's okay. But, it's okay. <laughs> but I think our hang up with authority may also be related to our hang up with power. Mm. Oh yeah, power is not in and of itself a bad thing. Mm. I've one of my good friends is a social worker, and she talks about so much of social work is helping to create power mm, and agency yeah. for those mm. who have been denied it. And and part of the difficulty we have with that is that we see so many instances of it being abused, just like mm-hmm. authority. But I guess I, I hear what we're all saying here. And I, I, for me, it's the classic both and, not either or. There is certain authority that is granted, that is earned, that is studied for, prepared for. Then there is authority that is conveyed just by not to bring forth my inner Mr. Rogers, but just by being because mm. you're a person of value and worth. And mm. I'll, the, the thing that comes to mind is I've lost count of how many times this happens, but I can never keep Old Testament lineages and family trees in my mind. Nikki can. <laughs> I have lost track of how many times I've said, oh, Jacob was so-and-so's grandson. No, that was actually this person. <laughs> That's authority that she has earned and studied and prepared for. Other times, Nikki has said the most brilliant thing, and it's because she is my friend that I hear her. Mm-hmm. It's be just because of who she is that I want that that she has a right to speak truth into my life that is meaningful and impactful, and I will stop and listen. That That's, cleared up nothing, but no, a lot actually, of thoughts out there. It did for so. me. Like what you said was really kind. Thank you so much. Um, I feel very warm over here. Mm-hmm. But what it actually did clear up something for me, I think it it caused a question in my mind that was helpful, which is who do I see as authoritative? And much. Very- yeah. So because I think that can help us get to what's important here that you would be authoritative in my life on many things. You could call me out on something and I would listen to you about it. I also listen to you. You are one of my authorities on pastoring because I think that you are one of the top pastors that I know. I think that you do it with grace and, and it is something that you both prepared for and I think we're, was gifted for. Hmm. And so like when I think about what a pastor should be, I think of you. There are a few other people that come to mind, but you are in that group for sure. And so 
people that I look to for authority rarely are claiming their own authority. Instead, they simply, they don't have to claim it. They just do what they do. And if people recognize what they know, great. If they don't, that's fine too, right? I think that Jesus is, that what Jesus is trying to convey here is just so opposite of what the religious leaders in this story think should be right and should be the way to go. Yes. And I think, okay, uh, I'm going to try to put all these thoughts into practice here. And then I want to tell you what Crystal's the authority on. Don't let me forget that while we're sharing here. So you said something about, I'm going to misquote you, Nikki, but you said something about that. It's not so much about claiming the authority for yourself, but just those who, who do, who I'm sorry. I I think I said they do them. Like they just do what they do. So I think that's what causes me to think that Jesus says, neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things, but he actually does tell them because this parable is Mm. not the son who says, yeah, sure, I'll go do it, and then takes an afternoon nap. (laughs) It's the son who gets up and does what his Mm -hmm. father's asked him to do. It's not, and if we want to make a parallel, it's not those of us religious leaders, and I'll put myself in that category, who sit and think lofty thoughts and and just consider things till the day is done. But it also comes from those who, even after they've had their say, it's, all right, it's time to get up, put an apron on, and do the thing. They live it. Yeah. Yeah. And what Crystal is the authority. Can I tell you what Crystal's authority yes. on? Oh, no, no. Crystal Memes. is the authority on causing me or helping me (laughs) to see things differently. Mm, She's really good at that. Because if Crystal had said at the beginning of this episode, my dog, and I'm going to get emotional here. My dog came back to visit me after he or she died. I didn't catch whether it was a boy, (laughs) male or female. After she had died, I would have thought, I would have smiled and thought, crystals just bless her heart but then when you talk about what's real to you i said you know what it happened and crystal you have a a way of engaging others such that we think differently Mm -hmm. thank you because happens all the time yeah i was hoping i wasn't the most abrasive person on the planet so that makes me feel good thank you (laughs) you can be but you were not today definitely be I know I can be. <laughs> but you use that power for good. So uh-huh. thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and now we're back full circle. There we are. There we are. <laughs> what an interesting conversation. And I feel like we're just getting started. We could unpack this for some time more because it is really an important issue because we are each going to choose to recognize authority or not. And I think what we see in this passage is a call to recognize the inherent authority which Jesus brings by virtue of who he is. And so I'm going to leave us just with a a quote that may, may help us continue thinking about this. It's a quote from Thomas Merton, who thought deeply about many things. 
And I think in this particular quote, he is helping us to think about the transparency that's available to see things as they are. And in this case, to see God as God is, if we will only pay attention and allow ourselves to see. He says it much more eloquently. He says this, we are living in a world that is absolutely transparent and God is shining through it all the time. God manifests God's self everywhere in everything, in people, in things, in nature, and in events. The only thing is, we don't see it. I have no program for this seeing. It is only given. But the gate of heaven is everywhere. May we see all that Jesus is showing us, and may we be willing to follow. Thank you all for this good conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Learn more about our Faith Element Bible study curriculum at faithelement.net. Faith Element is a service of Faith Lab.